You've played the missions, but do you really know the lore? We are here to be your guides, your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 70, recorded May 17th, 2020, at the butt crack of dawn. The topic is rock out with your lore out. We're talking about web lore discussions. I hate you, Almas. Like, <laughs> damn it. I know you do. Fuck. Okay. Um, I am your host for this evening, Orchid. Morning. What the fuck time is it? Six in the morning. <laughs> Your house for this morning, Orchid. God. Erica's going to have so much. You're going to have to edit this. This is all your fault. Hey, whatever. God. Uh, we have many special guests with us today because the Hyvens are in the middle of moving. So you're stuck with just Alamist and I for the next, like, unforeseeable future. I'm sorry. Or congratulations. One of the two. <laughs> um, would our guests like to introduce themselves? Sure. Um, I am Taylor B. You might know me from the Focus Fire chat Discord or uh, my podcast that I co-host, um, the Spin Foil Theory Podcast. Nice. I'll go next. Uh, Kaz PhD. Um, I stream on Twitch under that name. I'm on Twitter as well, and I'm a little bit new to the lore community, so hello, everyone. And I am Wicked back again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm found on Twitter, same profile name, uh, Wicked Jester. I'm also in Focus Fire's community with the lore community, uh, with all these guys, wonderful (laughs) lore peoples. I make lore videos and lewd comments. It's pretty much my, uh, my shtick. Yeah, it's yeah, that's pretty my, much that's my shtick. Yeah, it's a pretty good shtick though. Like you've got it down. <laughs> <laughs> I just assume whenever he crops up on Twitter that there's going to be some sort of lewd comment coming. Yeah. Henceforth. Oh yeah. It's just coming. Oh yeah. It's just coming. It's, just, it's fine with me. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Not it like is. that orchid. Yeah, it is. <laughs> How could you... You left me the bait. How can you not expect me to take it? Giggity. You know what I like. Giggity. That's right. You're a giggity <laughs> angler. You're fishing for him. God. Why isn't that something I can catch an Animal Crossing? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I gotta do my job. All right. We encourage feedback. Um, it can be sent to us on Twitter at Guardians underscore lore. You can tweet at me at Hey It's Orchid or Mrs. Hyven at Mrs. Underscore Hyven or Elmist at I underscore am underscore Elmist because underscores are the thing he likes. Uh, you can email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. Find us on Instagram at guardians of lore or guardians so flore, depending on how you read it. Um, please like review our podcast wherever you can, uh, except Spotify because they don't like that. Uh, and if you do review it, like, please let us know, because we'd like to be able to read it and thank you for it. Even if you're like, this podcast sucks so much. All they do is talk about sexy lore. And I'd be like, yeah, you're welcome. Um, you can also find us in our Discord. There is a link on our Twitter profile, or you can ask any of the hosts on Twitter for one, and we'd be happy to give you one. Um, or and it should also be in the description. 
It sh- oh, that's right. Yeah, it should be in the show description uh, if you know how to I pull those up. Once in a while. <laughs> you can also find uh, our info at thelorenetwork.com alongside many impressive lore content creators, including everyone who's here today. Yay! Yay. Yeah. <laughs> I like how I just drop a plea of help and then everyone's like, yes. Oh yeah, no, that was a that was quick response, and mm-hmm. and I I felt bad for a second because I, I I was you know I've been working from home, um, as one does, during lockdown. As, and, as one uh, does. <laughs> and, uh, so, it was like right there. Just turn to my 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 personal computer, and there was the rug, and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. And then other people, I guess, were like typing and thought it was a just one spot. It was like fuck. I didn't, damn it. No, I, I took too long to be polite. <laughs> no, I I drive this podcast now, um, and it's pretty much whatever I want to do. So, if I want to have like six people here, we're gonna figure that out. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more well, the I definitely have all you guys you mean back too. Like now? Yeah, like now, this very second. <laughs> I don't count you and I because we're always here. We live here. Yeah, that's, live that's here. fair. <laughs> we have yet to have an episode without me. That's true. Well, we I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you at least hosted, if that's true, because that'd be weird if you were just on every episode, but they didn't let you in the band. Right? <laughs> You're just standing off to the side, like ah. <laughs> it's my turn. It'd be Huey okay. Lewis in the news all over again. <laughs> Is it the news or is it (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have a a guy with constant, like, what is it, um, hover arm? (laughs) Just always. Over the whole band? Always, like, right there, but never quite achieving. (laughs) I... That can, oh. a lot of things can be described with it's just right there, but not quite achieving. So let's move on Ooh. to the twoggle. Sick burn, guys. List of things you don't want to hear when trying to follow up for date number two. Mm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we usually have a section. I say usually. It's been like five episodes, maybe. Um, called the twoggle this week at Guardians of Lore. Huh. And uh, where we just talk about whatever for as long as I want to, because I'm driving. Um, I'm going to talk about my week first, because I had a fucking week, guys. <laughs> I had a week. I got bit by a brown recluse spider and oh, had no. to go to the hospital. <laughs> and they had to cut a bunch of stuff off my arm. And I also got Twitch affiliate. So it's like good <laughs> and bad. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about recluse, but now we're talking about arms being cut into yeah you know, i'd show you but it's like just right. an open wound right now yeah. so it's like the black recluse just really fucking hurts yeah no this like the skin is dissolving around it yeah that, that's that's yeah. the necrotoxin mm-hmm. yeah so. you know, I, was, I was telling orchid earlier i had a uh, banana spider do that to my freaking ankle and they misdiagnosed it as a freaking uh mosquito bite so this is what I happens feel, I feel when I sit. In, yeah, this is what happens when I sit in a lab that's full of spiders. I just want their to lab eat. or your lab. It's one of my labs because it's just. Are like you sure? Out. <laughs> At this point, yeah. <laughs> if you end up spinning webs out of your anus, please call me. Please. I mean, more than usual. <laughs> more than usual. 
Oh my please what? call me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm oh, gonna I want that Dewey anus. We're gonna take a look. <laughs> You'll be the first I call, Wicked. Thank you. Question mark. <laughs> no, Sp- Spider Man's my hero, so I have to teach you how to use your superpowers for good. <laughs> Don't you just like jack it until the white stuff comes out, and then it like That's goes on all the over the end. city? You got it. Isn't that how it is? It's backwards. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not the end that that happens at. Oh. If you go swinging around town by by your butthole, I wouldn't be coming to have some concerns. I feel like I will say though, probably got more support than if it was out your dingus. This is true. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Oh I don't God. think that would. I don't think that would go over nearly as well. <laughs> no. I want to see someone draw that comic now. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! It's like when a from the wrong end. So it's, just, guys... it's just Spider Gwen, but it's just she just flies by her hooch. She just opens her. Legs, okay, see, people would read that. Place. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yes, you'd read you, that would you, that would be the complete end of all those dramatic like long fall spider drops. She just opens her legs and catches <laughs> Upside down kisses are completely different now. <laughs> Can you imagine her trying to get laid? She just opens her legs and then like whoever spider webs. is fucking just spider, spider webs. webs everywhere. Oh, man. Oh, my God. When was the last time you actually like used this? There's spider webs all over it. I was, I was expecting it to be a little sticky. Elvis <laughs> <laughs> made that God, do you want to tell what you said to me in chat? So she start started talking about how like she was getting, you know, hoping for spider powers and I'm like, I've got a joke, but I'm I'm I it was a brown recluse. Started because I was telling you I was in the ER is <laughs> why right. I was doing it. Right. <laughs> so so she's she's making the joke that, you know, I'm waiting for spider powers and I'm I'm just kind of like it was a brown recluse bite. Don't make the joke. Mrs. <laughs> Hiving comes in and she's like, "Well, if you get powers, use them for good." And then I'm yeah. just like, "She doesn't need powers to get sticky." Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Ooh. Hence yeah. the minus two hundred points to my name. In this <laughs> I took 200 points away from you but you want to get to like negative a thousand points so really i gave you points <laughs> oh, i see we, so it's a troll account it we is are, <laughs> we just arbitrarily account, assigned points yes. to each other yeah. <laughs> so that was a thing did any of you guys have a fucking week too i mean it's difficult to compare to a recluse spider <laughs> yeah i didn't think mine, mine was pretty decent i didn't potentially get butt webs or anything oh, okay. uh, cool like that i did get to, um so i i guess i can tell people but uh, i got i got converted to uh, the company i've been contracting with the full time this week so that was cool congratulations nice. thank you that's a really big deal i appreciate it um it was on Wednesday, so my, my first official day will be the first. So I have to be extra careful between now and then. You're in that like limbo space where like <laughs> you, you you don't quite have it, but you can taste That's... it. Yeah. And I don't want to get I don't want to get too excited and just be like, Phrasing. "Oops, psych, psych, Taylor, you you stay contract." <laughs> <laughs> I had something like that with the, but it came down to visa issues. I was like, "Yeah, you're hired. We're gonna do all the paperwork and we'll get you over here." Nothing, nothing, nothing. About a month later, 
I get, I get in contact with them. Oh yeah, the visa process is too challenging, so we're just gonna move on to someone else. Oh, that's I the worst. Yeah, oh, I that's... found I found that out during the party that my parents had thrown for me. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I was like, well, thanks for coming. <laughs> I'll that's see you next awful. week. Oh, that's that's awful. Jeez. Yeah, but I got now a better I... job, and uh, yeah, it all worked okay. out. Okay, <laughs> we're good. Thank God for that like out, quick but... turn at the ending. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna feel yeah, terrible yeah. for my news, even though that no, probably no, no. happened this, like a long sorry, time this... ago. Yeah, yeah, this was a this was a few years ago, just re related. But no, it worked There's... out for the better. The company I work for now, I can work from anywhere. So. There's nothing worse than getting hearing back from a job that, oh yeah, it's it's not that you're not qualified or that we don't want you for the position. It's just that we're too lazy to work for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like this was way more effort than we were expecting. <laughs> um, as for my week, I'm currently in the process um, of interviews for two different places. Nice. I'm not nice. going to say which nice. one, but I'm really excited. One on the West Coast, one local. So I'm, I'm excited either way. Um, I gave them like the salary that I'm looking for, and they're like, "Yeah, we can totally do that." Oh, that's always sweet. And the one that's on the West Coast was like, "Hey, we'll need you to relocate, so we'll pay for it." That's so good. Nice. 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 <laughs> oh my God! Really? They said that. Yeah. That's super cool. That's <laughs> super cool. Radio so, fans, so, you can't see the expressions of joy. Just happy, right. like, <laughs> silent oh, joy. No, you don't just, seem to understand. Ah. Every single job he's applied for, like, Toki, what the fuck are you doing? Every single <laughs> job he's applied to has, um, has said no. They won't pay for relocation. So yeah. this is very exciting. And and I don't know if a lot of it is because of COVID and they're expecting people like they're looking mm. outside local talent mm. and they're like, because of COVID, people are having to pull whatever money they have. So we're going to help with that. Or I, I don't know if it's that or if it's just that the company already does that kind of thing. I mean, but either the fact way, that they... Yeah, the fact that they keep that going now is, is great because I've seen yeah. a lot of businesses do the opposite. We're like, well, COVID is here, so everybody batten down the hatches and go frugal and not provide any benefits right. at all. Right. Oofed. Yeah. Um, my brother is, is currently searching for work in Southern California, and he's finding jobs um, up in, like, San Francisco, but they're saying you must either commute or relocate and we're not going to help with that at all. Oh, they oh, would never help with uh, that. San Francisco's the worst. Yeah, well, and, so, and so shysty. Well, and, and like he's a new grad. He graduated in December and he's been looking for work. Yeah. And then COVID hit and it's just worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I looked. I looked for work in my field for about a year and a half, almost two years, before I got something. It's, you know, it's not fun. I mean, and and then you have it's basically a full time job just to find a job, and then you have a lot yeah. of, even the people who try to help, they don't help because it's like, 
you know, you're getting like uncles and aunts right. being like, have you tried Google? I've heard there's jobs on Google. It's like, <laughs> oh God. The first job I had after I got my master's degree was um, reading smut for a publishing company. Nice. That makes sense. Everything is falling into place in context. Yep. <laughs> well, if, if I were, man, if I was reading smut after, because I'm just going to say a master's degree is way more than I have, but if I had that much education and going into it, like, this is going to be the most Shakespearean goddamn smut, <laughs> you are going to, like, you might not learn anything, but you will be wiser after my reading. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was because I was just like working from home and I couldn't find anything. And this company was like, yeah, you know, like we just need someone to read all of the manuscripts that people send so you can reject them because they didn't go through an agent. So those usually get tossed out, but they want to make sure they're not, you know, tossing out actual good ones. (laughs) So they have to have people read them. So I read a lot of porn. I, I'm just, like, I'm imagining how many, and I bet there's probably, like, funny things, too. Like, when you run into one that's especially bad but also contains many spelling errors, do you read it as they wrote it? Or do you, like, give them the benefit of the doubt? Like, no, you meant landed, not landed it. Did you know that if I saw a mistake of there, there, and there, or two, two, and two, I would immediately reject it? Because <laughs> nice. if you don't know the fucking difference between those, like, I just, I wonder about you nice Orchid has learn no how mercy. to fucking spell <laughs> learn to spell if you're going to send a manuscript in and make some poor girl read it in the bathtub all day like <laughs> make make sure you fucking spell correctly <laughs> <laughs> but like for like a year was just like a series of baths with my ipad i'm just <laughs> Just your fourth grade grammar is making me lose my my heart on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could say I was always wet when I was reading did, them. So. Did you really spell it vagina? <laughs> <laughs> now, like, if it was in a quote, I would give that one a pass. <laughs> oh, if that's the line, that's... like, they're commenting on someone else? Oh, someone else's poor grammar? <laughs> yeah. Or they're just it's really inexperienced, you know? It's a little meta, but I'm here for it. <laughs> like, I, I have a master's in soil chemistry. It has nothing to do with reading porn. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, when I, I finished my master's, and I was looking for work, and it got to a point where uh, I couldn't find anything at home, so I moved... Uh, across i'm from canada so i moved across the province to a friend's house and started working at costco which was which was fine but uh (laughs) i mean we're just talking about the whole like looking for work for a long time it got to the point where every single cent i had was going toward like student loans and my friends and everybody were really supportive but it's it's a really weird feeling when all of your money comes in and immediately goes back out to something else you start to feel like yep. you have no... I mean, my friend would be like, hey, I'm getting pizza. What do you want on it? I'm like, oh, whatever you want. Whatever you want Hopes to put on it. Hopes and dreams? Because, yep. you know, because I wasn't paying for it. So, how you know, I felt like, how could I justifiably ask for whatever? And, uh, yeah, it's it's a tough time. And I couldn't, I couldn't imagine doing that right now. I mean, 
not only certain jobs don't exist, but certain industries, you know, have basically stopped. Um, yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> I know a couple of people who have lost their jobs because right now the, there's just zero demand at all for yeah. the, uh, specifically in like the industries that where like uh, personal touch is required, massage therapy. Yeah. Uh, that I know at least one person who's lost their job as of right now for that. So it's it's rough. Yeah, and I worked I worked service industry, uh, waiter, bartender, like all that for for years, and there's definitely definitely a lot of hurt going on in uh, in mm-hmm. that community around here right now. But uh, actually, in in regards to that though, anyone listening, if uh, if you were in the service industry and wanting what to do, the uh, for example, like the bartenders union, like there's a couple national unions here in the United States that are helping even non-members uh, mm-hmm. survive during this time. So that's something to look into if you're uh, particularly struggling. Oh, yeah, cool. I mean, random, random trivia, but I think Ryan Reynolds is donating portions of his gin to the bartenders union. I think I saw nice. something that's like awesome. that on, yeah, nice. on the yeah, like the, that's, 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 that's really cool. cool. Yeah. This is why he's my ghost. <laughs> I still, I mean, he made a great Pikachu. <laughs> he did. Oh my god. He made I never a great. Saw that movie. I was actually. Great is it? I I don't know how great a dad he made, but he was a damn good <laughs> Pikachu. He's only a dad for like five he's minutes. He's a really good dad yeah. in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I want, I want Jermaine Clement. Uh. <laughs> good choice. Thank you. Man, oh, the flight of the Concords. Sorry. Oh yeah, <laughs> what we do in the shadows, all of that. Okay, I do have one question. We're actually going to talk about. Um, what do you think of people data mining lore instead of discovering it naturally in game? I hate it. So I, I'd like to jump in here. Um, yeah. Uh, let me see if I can make this short. Uh, <laughs> do data mine all you want, um, but. I keep a pretty strong no spoilers tendency when it comes to you know community stuff anything you make uh any any you know discord you have or or whatever i just i mean there's a whole conversation about how fair it might be to the actual artists who are working on it and have a plan for when it rolls out that's one thing uh the other is i just don't like when people i don't like when they spoil things and i don't like when they in they believe something to be you know, fact before it's even in the game. And th- this keeps happening. I keep seeing videos and Reddit posts being like, ah, a new leak. And I'm like, no, it's not a leak. A, a leak implies that it's real information that, you know, is definitely going to happen that you have like a glimpse of. Uh, but we, we've, seen th- we've seen things change between those leaks and when it's in the game. So anyway, I'm just a little bit frustrated about it personally. I, I, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I just don't like when people get their hopes up over something and then you know the artist you know the studio changes it because they have a right to and it's not there mm-hmm. yet now correct, correct me if i'm wrong though ishtar isn't necessarily data mine it's released files that go to them correct correct so yeah so, so the way it works it's oh sorry it's all tagged in the api that mm-hmm, baxter yeah. gets and then he either releases it or doesn't so mm-hmm. it, and i think that's that's where the problem or the difference between things that are like ishtar where you have access to the information is that that api is very much controlled by the co- by the creators themselves so it, there have, there's been i know before 
uh, there have been books that got released on Ishtar Collective um, that weren't intended to be released yet. And, you know, the Ishtar couldn't do anything about it because they weren't notified, hey, look, don't re don't release this stuff with this content. Um, mm. So the, that's on the creator. So anything that comes out through Ishtar, as far as early release information, that's more towards, you know, needing the person who's releasing it from Bungie to them saying, hey, look, this this needs to stay hidden, this needs to stay off the register, and all the good stuff. Like um, the most they, recent stuff, it, it was tagged to be released on Tuesday. That's mm -hmm. why it wasn't up until Tuesday. Yeah, and I mean, so I will add that there's a, there's a major difference between lore versus, I don't know, gameplay. any uh, gameplay or, or, I don't know, maybe expansion details or whatever, especially with this game where not all of the lore is in-game, you know? Uh, things that are online or, or in items, stuff like that. The fact that it's not... The fact that there has to be all this extra work to get all of the lore in one place, like Ishtar, uh, for me, that takes away the, the problems I have with, da with data mining or, or with collecting that lore in, in some form, right? Because it, it's, not, it's not like, the book is available, just go buy it or wait for it to be released. It's, well, the book is scattered everywhere, and if you're going to put it all in one place at the appropriate time, then, yeah. I, I will yeah. say, um, the only issue I have with that, and this is on the creator more to a Wicked's point, I think more like not, not on Ishtar, they're just sort of like doing what they're allowed to do, so I'm like, how can, I can't really have problems with that. I don't think it should be put up in any other place until it's available in-game. Mm. So, like, things that are time-gated, like the uh, the Trials and Tribulations thing, well, I guess that's possible. Yeah, because you only get it once per week. You only get it on your first win. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you can sit there and, like, farm out all of them. So, like, things like that where you could just read ahead and read cards that are impossible to get in the actual game, like, impossible to actually earn... Yeah, I think that's like a little like you know you're skipping ahead, and if you're only in it for the lore, you might just be like, well, there's no point in playing that content now. How do you? Well, I think they did that because they that's part of what they did with the uh, the Mara book, what we were talking about earlier with mm. once a week visit to Mara. They did that where there was a controlled release of this entry for Mara, then this entry for Mara, and I think that because obviously they did did change that to where now the whole book is being released at one time. Right. I think that that was probably just something that was released saying, or said, hey, look, this isn't worth necessarily the effort of hiding the entire book. Let's just make the book available when the first entry is available to be done. They also did that with unveiling. Mm. This is true. How do we go visit Mara every week? No. I, I remember scouring the internet for the last three entries because Eris was glitched and wouldn't <laughs> give it to me. <laughs> And those last three entries weren't on Ishtar, and they weren't, like, I was going nuts for it. Here's a spin on the, on the question. What do you, like, as content creators and people who, you know, more actively, you know, analyze the lore or look into it, make connections, acting as leaders of it, how do you feel about it? Because in terms of how it affects your, let's just call it work. Because personally, I, I own the same belief as shared here. I like to experience it in the game. But content creation takes time. And you could find yourself in a situation where you make a video. And then two weeks later, 
you discover it in game, even though it was on Ishtar for the last you know week or so, and it it you know invalidates or undermines or or adds nuance to what you just made. I've I've definitely caught myself in this bind where I'm like, well, I should wait for it to be in the game, and now it's in the game, and now I'm like a week behind all the other videos making you know on this content. Damn it. <laughs> So I definitely have something to that effect because I was going to chime in with that. Uh, the unveiling video set that I did, uh, that's that specifically, I was three in, or I was uh, was it three entries or two entries ahead? Because I I was the very first week I used both of my characters, or all three of my characters to go and do those quest lines. So I picked up those first three lore entries right off the bat. So where apparently it was supposed to be, you're only supposed to get one one per account versus one per character. So I was already two entries ahead. And having that information, even just a couple weeks ahead of time, allowed me to put my videos together and get everything squared away with all the recording, all of the video editing. You know, As simple as my videos are, it still requires a few hours worth of putting effort and work into them. And for content creators, especially like you're looking at bite videos and everything like that, where I don't think that the lore content creators try to necessarily gauge their understanding of the videos as they're presented off of the future lore so much. But I think the biggest asset that the data mining provides content creators is just the ability to give them enough time prior to that card's launch to be able to build their content for that event. To me, that that's really the biggest asset that data mining does for them. It's not even so much curbing the way they view the lore, the way they present the lore, because I know, um, I know Mylan does a very good job of saying, "Hey, look, this is this is what I'm saying, and this is what I believe the lore is." And whether there's any data mining or else, if there's if he's looking at the data mining material, he's not altering his opinion and stuff. Because there's things that I've seen in the data mining side, and I'm like, okay, if he's seen that, then he knows he's wrong. But I know a lot of mm. people try to keep to the integrity of this is my opinion and this is what I want to the, the community to see is what I'm saying. So I think that for the most part, at least the content creators that I know don't really try to let that affect their content so much as it allows them the opportunity ahead of time to prepare their content for everybody. I can see that. I feel bad for them in cases like with uh, the other uh, Shadows of Callus on the armor that just never got released. Yeah. And then, like, you probably had people who, like, did, like, whole, like, episodes, like, man, this is going to be so badass. They're going to come. They're going to learn about this fallen, like, shadow. It's going to be so cool. And then, no. No, there's no. That didn't happen. <laughs> Shink. <laughs> yeah. My thing that's confusing to me, like, it's because I keep asking, and the majority of the people that I talk to, maybe it's just that I see, I find similar minds around I don't find anybody that necessarily likes the spoilers. Like uh, uh, nobody I've, I've really talked to has said, "Yeah, I like data mining," and "Yeah, I like the spoilers always coming out prior to me actually being able to experience it in the game." They're always saying, "Oh yeah, I'd rather have I'd rather have the experience in the game itself." Yeah. But clearly, they wouldn't be doing it if there wasn't a market for it. So, what my question well, really is is, what what could what are the people who are getting these gameplay spoilers? And, and seeing, hey, look, this is where the story's happening way before they can ever experience it. What are they getting out of it? Clicks. Yeah, people, I mean, especially right now, 
with where you know with the the you know attitude in the community and the reception of the season there's there is an ample audience for people to see you know let's call it hope to be a little bit wishy-washy but there's people who want to see what's coming or what's next or what big changes are being made and even if that attitude wasn't there driving it people are still curious and there's a lot of videos that i have to just scroll past or or maybe you know not block but just kind of lower on my algorithm or whatever because i don't need to see every single week like secret quest whatever you know coming in six months mm. and that, that they're definitely getting that because i think for some they uh, they have yeah like you said they have a weekly cadence or whatever and they need to present the news of the game and maybe there is no news or maybe there isn't anything they find newsworthy or they don't want to I don't want to beat up on them, but maybe some of them don't want to put the effort in to dig a little deeper into what's going on currently, so they look ahead. That, that's that's what I see. I, I'm I'm not involved with it, so I don't really know, but that's what I feel like they're feeding off of is the the hope or the hype for something coming, as well as trying to maintain the cadence and trying to be first, right? The the first about the gods of Mars. Remember that? <laughs> oh man, yeah definitely remember that when i was a kid I, I i'm not saying it's like kids are the market but when i was a kid i used to love that stuff and mm. granted i'm a little mm -hmm. older and i didn't have as uh many different venues to uh to go into that uh, that are available today for that kind of thing but dude I, I used to get off on getting hype just like any any ounce of content i didn't care if it spoiled it that just made me more mm -hmm. hyped to see it like in game and i was about it i i, I can i can fully admit that like I, did, a... I did not care there's a definite, like, there's a definite conversation to be had about the pros and cons of hype, right? Like, there's there's studies that show that if you that people who know about certain things, that it allows them time to think about it and delve into it and become excited. And and some studies show that people's reception of the content was better uh, when they knew it was going on. There's also the talk of managing expectations, right? Pre Forsaken, when we saw the trailer with Cade. You know, uh, there's a bit of managing expectations, maybe. Um, but for me personally, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it in terms of what's happening, and I don't even want to spoil it in terms of excitement. If I, if I play the first mission of Shadowkeep or Forsaken, and somebody comes to me, he's like, "Yeah, I was thinking about getting it. What do you think?" Oh, I really enjoyed it. Like, I, I just downplay it as much as I can because I want them to go into it with as neutral of a perspective as they can. Maybe I'm excited. I'm like, oh, you know, dude, you're going to love it. You know, I really try not to do that because it, it can set people up for for different expectations. It's hard not to, but I, I personally am on the far end of the spectrum. You know, my Discord, we have a, a spoiler Discord and it's the like channel and it's the only place you can talk about that kind of stuff until it's you know, until not only until it's in the game, but uh, until it's in the game plus a week, because we got some players who you know have full, fuller lives and more uh, drastically demanding jobs. But I, I personally am on that far side of the spectrum of don't tell me, don't show me, don't do anything. But now that I'm getting into making content, it's starting to pull me the other way. I mean, I'm starting to make content right now on the capabilities of Exos and. Some lore has come yeah. out recently that talks a little bit more about that. And I've kind of gone, okay, I, I guess I have to read this. Or I could put the content out and then just re redact it later. But I, again, I, I don't, 
and I'm sure many other uh, content creators do this, they might read ahead and, and prepare what they're doing. But if they are releasing content now that's not re directly related to that, I guess it's just a good practice to kind of let the future content ground you, but not, you know, not to spoil it for some, right? If we get a definite confirmation in something that's not coming out for another month, then I wouldn't be happy seeing a video where someone says that. They say, here's here's the thing. It's not out for a month. Let's talk, you know, whatever. But, be, but yeah. Sorry. I think there's a responsibility on the person, though. I well, mean, like, if you don't want spoilers, you need to not actively search them out. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But there's, a there's a, again, it comes down to, like, there's all these norms, right? It, it's, it's every like there's there's the creator and the audience both have responsibilities as an audience yeah. member i shouldn't be searching for this kind of thing and i should be very aware not to go on certain parts of twitter or reddit or what have you but then again you see a lot of posts where the norm of that community is to put the spoiler in the like past the click or whatever you know not in the title mm -hmm. and yet right and it, it's it, it comes down to a lot of this courtesy back and forth that um, a lot of times the norm, it's not taught anywhere. It's just received, you know. Yeah. I, uh, I, I hear you there, and I, I just want to, like, yes and to what we're all saying and just be like, this is really an interesting conversation coming from, like, the Western culture point of view. Because I feel like, and I'm not, like, an expert on it, so, you know, stop me there. But, like, w whenever I watch an anime, the preview for the next episode is all the cool shit that happens in that episode. <laughs> like yeah. you, you knew Piccolo was dead. Ball. Like yeah, you, you knew Piccolo was dead. <laughs> Yamcha, you were going into that episode knowing what was up. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, even even uh, even shows in the West are doing this now that I'm watching older shows on Netflix, and they have the whole like previously. Uh, sometimes you'll see they'll do a, like a little montage of what happened previously and it's definitely created to set you up for what's coming in this episode. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, I haven't seen that Star character in an entire season. And you're like, oh, now they're back or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Star it's, Trek it, comes mm -hmm. to mind. Oh, I yeah. remember Frank. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about choice, right? I mean, as long as you're given the choice, then... Game, Game of Thrones was famous for that. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, man. You needed it in a show like that, though. I, I, like, even if you read the books, <laughs> you, you were going in that like, who is he? You remember Why? Dorn, right? You know, on, Dorn. on occasion, the flashbacks like, remember this sex scene? <laughs> <laughs> well, with with Podrick, that was that was important to the story. You needed to know that he got it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's. It's either that, it's, it's, it's either you have it in that, or you have them show up and be like, remember me back in the battle two months ago? Like, <laughs> exposition yeah. versus presentation, I guess. I like it. Well, let's uh, move on to <laughs> what we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> we can talk <laughs> about this for literally forever. <laughs> literally forever. This is what happens when we get really into something. And it's, it's interesting hearing content creators talk about spoilers i think because there's a there's a different responsibility that we have versus you know other people that just tell their friends so mm -hmm. good mm -hmm. talk guys congratulations you did so good yeah. do we get a medal <laughs> no you oh. don't can i make myself a gold star yes 
Alright. Cool. <laughs> you doubt yeah, you definitely can. Good job. Yeah. Um, you can have something golden, but it's not a star. Ooh. <laughs> Am I gonna need a I, towel? I mean don't forget to bring you a always towel. Need a towel. Besides you always need a towel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean one that says don't panic might help in the situation I think Wicket's going for here. <laughs> I'm going to move on. Um, <laughs> this is wise. Oh, ew, ew, guys. See, see, he, did that, he, did that, he did that, and all I thought was flashback in Wayne's world. <laughs> no. Light bulb. <laughs> oh, that's not, no. That Discussing lore? three web lore entries from Season of the Worthy. God, we won't be reading them like normal, but we will sometime at a later date as like an aside. So we're reading today Legacy, Legacy Part 2 and What Gives Me Pause. They can all be found on Ishtar Collective or wherever you get your lore. Um, they're actually on Bungie's website. They were dropped as web lore months ago. Um, Legacy and Legacy Part 2 are really fucking long, which is why we're not reading them. One's like 17 pages long. No, thank you. We'll be here for another hour. So, <laughs> we're not gonna do that. Uh, this is yeah. gonna be like one of the few episodes where we don't actually read the lore, because that's kind of a thing that we do. Um, so we're just gonna discuss it and um, kind of the idea of like what are what's the big overarching summary um, was there anything like notable that you found in any of the readings? And, you know, a lot of this is about like Anna Bray and Clovis Bray and, you know, a bunch of like Rasputin-y things that we're finally hearing about this season too. So we're just going to kind of try to tie it all together. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm just driving. I'm not really, I'm just here. So <laughs> you guys can discuss it amongst yourselves. All right. Um, so, whoever would like to start with like their summary, um, Kaz. I don't know if that was you yeah. Or... So okay, yeah, go ahead. I mean, yeah, like I said, these entries are really long. I recommend people go and read them. Make sure you set aside some time, especially for part two. It's it's seventeen pages, as you said. Um, so the first part one, we're following uh, Anna Bray on Mars. She, it's kind of um, kicking up her story if you've been reading any of the comics or um, she and her ghost and actually Rasputin uh, are tracking down uh, a signal that they found on Mars near uh, Polyanus Mons, which is a real uh, volcanic area on Mars. Uh, how brief do I want the notes to go? So they're they're tracking uh, a, a, what they call a Warsat spike. It's a large uh, energy reading. And Rasputin is there in Anna's helmet. She's uh, apparently communicating with him through tones and pulses of light. And they're looking for a pro something called Project Atlas. Uh, they eventually find their way to a bunker. Um, seems golden-aged. And uh, there's signs of a gunfight, toxic gases, just like uh, damage to the walls of the, the facility. They find exo bodies. Um, and as they kind of hack into the mainframe, so to speak, they learn more about something called Project Echo. Um, and uh, is Pillory mentioned in this one? 
Um, I think it is. Either way, they learn about these projects. The facility seems to detect a rogue mind, and then uh, there, there's a yeah, I th there's a bunch of action that goes on. But bottom line is, they discover a series of bunkers. A thirteen, well, I think they mentioned tw twelve stations in total, subnet defense network, um, which is completely disconnected from the War Mind Initiative. They list them. Uh, there's a bunch of code referring to Redline Protocol, and at the end, they hear about um, a, a signal coming from a decaying, a falling space station in orbit of Uranus called Kalis Station, and they set off uh, to take to uh, to investigate. That's kind of the short and sweet of, That's of part one. That's an excellent summary. <laughs> excellent summary. Good job. Okay. Um, yeah. So what would you guys like to test like to talk about i think um anna bray and the way she speaks to rasputin or communicates is really fascinating oh, really? um because she uses like a form of synesthesia uh me as someone who has synesthesia i totally get it um it's just like it's different for everybody but very much like wires crossed kind of thing mm. Um, Wicked, do you have something? Uh, so, regarding the whole thing with Red and Rasputin, mm -hmm. do you guys think that there's an actual difference between the two, or do you think that they are one and the same, and that Red is just what Anna calls Rasputin? Oh, yeah, Big Red, I think I think that's his nickname, because uh, she even says it um, in-game uh, this mm -hmm. season. Like, she'll refer to something Big she Red wants you to do. Yeah. Okay. That's part well, of, yeah, I've heard that in okay, some of so the, I guess the public events. Hmm. The re reason why I'm saying this is, like, if, we'll say if, we'll say Rasputin, the mainframe Rasputin, the big, big gigantic red eye mm -hmm. that we have there, if Red, the, the version of Rasputin that's in her gear, <laughs> is an AI that she has with her, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because if it's just Rasputin, obviously he he can detach and reattach himself to her at any given point in time. He can reestablish mm -hmm. communication and detach communication, um, and so he doesn't necessarily need to be installed in her gear. But the way I see it, with especially with them saying that the rogue mind is present, it doesn't necessarily sound like he's just communicating to her. It actually sounds like the AI is there with her. It, like it's an actual fragment of Rasputin himself. Yeah, I, that's I, the way I took it. I wonder if it's uh, just because he's also, and, and, uh, just speaking of like Rasputin's presence there, these guys, her ghost has those two little cute nanites, <laughs> just like falling off of her, and she doesn't care. They're they're they're, they're welcome, and that's that's a. Uh, it's, that was uh, something I really enjoyed about Jinju. But um, to uh, to what you were talking about, I wonder if it's like a client and app situation. Like maybe she's because like I can't imagine. I I just can't imagine unless it's like he broke off a fork that can communicate with her mm -hmm. and then like sort of be his proxy. It's maybe like a seven of nine situation, that, but like I. That's kind of yeah. where I was thinking with it. Was that it was something that because I don't see Anna keeping it separated from him. Like I don't I don't see Anna being like oh well Rasputin can't have this little fragment of himself. I see it as more of Rasputin's like here take a little a little piece of me so that you can 
have have my intelligence to go with you. Take my nail clipping. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go with Kaz and Alamus. Oh uh, no! Go ahead, Alamus. I was. I'm good. Oh okay. Gotcha. Alamus, uh, do you have we actually have seen that specific situation in game. Um, the Rasputin that we dealt with in D1 is completely mm-hmm. separate from Rasputin, the mainframe on Mars. I do, however, think that that's part of that's the result of something that's going to get brought up later in the lore cards, though. Mm. Yeah, well, I think he's got I, like I think the two. I think the two different versions, like Red, was created by an entirely different process. And that may be, or it may be the same process but different it could outcome. Be. Or different consent. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> actual he's, consent. He's still missing three <laughs> three parts of his uh of his uh, forked um, AI, if I recall. Like he's only got nine of them, so I think there's three more that are still at large, and that's I think that's you know part of what they were uh, they were looking for, if I recall correctly. Well, in the in this, it's interesting when you look at the number of those parts because. This, if I recall correctly, when I was writing the notes for this, part one, she she looks through the, the database and it says something like 9 or 11 or something. And then later mm-hmm. she hears a different number. And then later she hears a different number. Um, and I think it's interesting just to watch that evolution of, she didn't even know there were bunkers outside of Mars. Uh, I guess maybe other than the ones we mentioned in Warmind, the, the campaign. Uh, and then she discovers more, and then there's even more that she doesn't know about. So, I think, uh, yeah, I think the assumption that um, knowing what she knows about Rasputin, uh, even as a, a risen version of herself, I think the assumption that he would have been like limited to some inner, inner system planets was a little was a little naive. Like Golden Age tech had us all the way out there. Yes. So then, a question for you: When the rogue mind de- being detected, uh, I guess this might come up more in, in part two. But mm-hmm. it, just to clarify for me, are we assuming that the bunker facility? When is it that they don't recognize the route? They don't rec- or, or I'm just wondering what set off that bunker exactly. That that part it's, is. Only- I think that's. Yeah, yeah. I think that's better. Probably better discussed in the second, in the next entry, or at we least we can discuss be- them explain. all together. I mean, okay. yeah. What? You want a yeah. you want a short version of Legacy Part Two? Yes, I would love that. Thank okay. you. Thanks for letting me hog the mic. So in Legacy Part Two, they're on their way. There's two parts here. One's kind of short, and one's a lot longer. Uh, the first part is them en route to the station, and. Uh, and as Ghost Jinju is kind of going through the information, talking about the code and the, and the programs that they found in part one, seems like Project Echo is a contingency plan that activates after Pillory. Um, and they, they talk about, um, I mean, they bring up some of the theories we've all had about um, cloning, putting Rasputin into an exo, or splitting Rasputin into, uh, into many subframes. Um, confirmation that Anna's partner is alive, Carmen, uh, or Cameron, yeah, uh, studying the Black Garden and the Pyramid, and the, uh, I believe it was Taylor, somebody mentioned earlier about the the nanites that uh, 
that mm-hmm. she kind of ga- gifted her nanites to use or remember her, keep company. These little buddies. <laughs> and um, as she's as Anna is going out there, she uh, something goes wrong with her navigation system. She finds herself off course from Uranus by about three AU. Uh, just for those listeners out there, AU is an astronomical unit. It's the distance on average between the Earth and the Sun. So to be off by 3 AU is about uh, al- about half the distance between, twice the distance between the Sun and Mars. It's about 750 million kilometers. Um, Anyways. Yeah. So they're off course. Um, and they. this comes up, well, when we talk later about the... Uh, what gives me pause lore entry there's a lot of similar um, imagery and it seems like they're still they're in a similar part of unknown dangerous space finally they they're able to break free from it they jump to the station around uranus they find a space station there uh, which has warsats which actually begin to attack them um, until rasputin is able or red or whatever we call it is able to harness some kind of defense they land on the station. There is a lot here. They, there's mention of greenhouses, colony ship food, um, exos being stored in, um, you know, embryonic development. Jinju powers up an exo, uh, who claims to be the station manager, and talks a lot with Anna Bray about how she it recognizes Anna. It. Uh, it talks about how she is the one, you know, who is overseeing this project. Talks about uh, how uh, Project Echo was to set up uh, a colony at somewhere called M31 at two different sites, and all these embryos are here to, uh, you know, maintain that. Um, talks about a thirteenth site, uh, which surprises Anna. That's where we talk about the different number of bunkers or sites being being learned and developed. And uh, I'm going to stop talking. Anybody else want to jump in here with the rest? Because there, there's a lot with this, and I, I don't want to make. I want to make sure I'm not missing points by, you know. Uh, yeah. There is. So. Yeah. Like it yeah. So okay. Much. Um, I think. I think one of the big things to take away from this is that because everybody keeps talking about. Um, the frames the from the people that I've talked to keeps talking about the these exos as. Echo, like these are the echoes, uh, as it were. Keeping in mind that the Echo program was not necessarily the one meant for breaking these things apart, so it's it does start with the pillory actual the pillory mainframe download. Mm-hmm. That portion of the program was meant for breaking apart Rasputin's mind in the case that he became insubordinate. <clears throat> the Echo program itself is not a reference necessarily to Rasputin but a reference to humanity. Because this was... Clovis indicated in this that we were basically predicting we would lose if Rasputin rebelled against us. So the fallback plan was to reestablish a colony and reestablish the human race after we had already been wiped from existence. And that was the whole point of the Echo program or the Echo contingency plan was to wait until after all human life was gone and Rasputin had lost, and then use these colonies to repopulate the galaxy. And the Echo, pro- the Pillory program, just happened to have a function within that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, mm-hmm. Just to uh, jump back in, 
the the last half uh if you're a fan of horror fiction it it becomes very dark very quickly the uh oh, yeah. there there's a detail of one of these um exos one of these uh echoes basically being uh revived re what's the right word reinitiated reset, reset over and over reset. and it my interpretation is that it got hit by the similar kind of you know destruction or gravity wave as we've seen mentioned elsewhere with the collapse and it it got reset and then the the systems were faulty and it just keeps getting reset over and over and it it sometimes seems to remember uh its previous resets and it it basically goes insane over thousands of resets um, until it broke free roamed the station trying to learn what it was for and and the whole time it kept hearing the voices uh the voice of anna bray because she was involved with this project and you hear the recorded voice of her i'm i'm not so sure these are resets uh just because as we read them uh, even in the excerpts in the show notes it talks about things happening again whereas if like you were reset it would be like it's happening for the first time right yeah so maybe just like a revive almost uh well i wonder a shutdown startup where uh, it's not necessarily a reset cycle? where the memory goes out but it's it's just power down power up power down well power I, up. I wonder <laughs> if it's something like even crappier like these are copies of copies and it's just degrading over time well so at the end of echo well, zero it says power failures rack the station in rolling thunder the exo slumps lifeless until its next reset so that's that's where it kind of leads people to believe that these are all just different resets but then that begs a whole new different understanding as to what we believe the resets are that the exos have been getting uh and then actually echo seven thunder uh pain to death electrostatic purge triggering a reset but like Mm -hmm. again like i i I just i just wonder just because this this particular exo is a little unique compared to uh i would say any other that we've encountered yet um i i just wonder if that's sort of to uh, orchid's point like a power cycle like if that's because it it seems to have like memory it doesn't like it's not like missing It, it 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 knows it knows yeah. that it's been hearing thunder each time it's been reset. It knows, like it has. Yeah, no I, I mean, just I, I, got, I was under the impression that it, that it was being, the result was torture, due to it being, trapped, but remembering all of the, whatever we want to call them, resets or whatever. And, and maybe we're using the wrong word. We, if we apply reset to, how many times Banshee's been reset, versus, this, EXO is just. I was under the impression that it was being tortured because it was constantly being cycled through, but unable to go anywhere and unable to change its situation. Well, I guess uh, if we look, if we look at the, uh, and and that might be, um, you know, we, we don't know how early in the EXO process, uh, like line this this guy was, but uh, I would just add that in um, the second to last one, twenty six twenty five, he drinks in the memories of Echo's past, so maybe they're being uh, like kind of like forced on him, or. Uh, or something like that. Now, more to uh, to your point, because it's it's really interesting uh, use of uh, of reset and uh, and and how the um, 
the trauma is sort of affecting this exo. I did, when I first read that card, I definitely I thought more towards the lines of Rasputin having his own exo army, which we we know that he was cognizant uh, of at least exos that were under his control or under his command, direction. Maybe, yeah. yeah, command uh, because of the whole thing that happened with Titan and the evacuation efforts and everything that happened there. So that's that's kind of where I assumed that that line kind of came from, where it was like, okay. I had Exos, and the only Exos that really existed at the time during the Golden Age, I would assume, were the ones that had been under Rasputin's army, essentially. Because uh, from the sound of Black Armory, uh, I don't really think that necessarily that had been an arrangement outside of Clovis's army that they had gotten up for the Exos. So I would assume up until that point, all the Exos belonged to Rasputin's army. Um, I assumed the same thing, honestly. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, if it wasn't part of his army, I just assumed that he could just like jump in and control them. So the other so, part of that would be, as far as his cognizance of the program, or at least of those particular exos existing, if Red is really Rasputin, the main consciousness, uh, I w- he would have, if he knew where this... Logic would dictate if he knew that the exos, those specific frames existed, he would be searching for the, the actual program itself, and he would be look, actively looking for it. Um, perhaps he wouldn't. Uh, there is another kind of tangent that goes with that that kind of runs into a spin foil that I've been thinking about. Mm. <laughs> um, where if Rasputin did know about the program, then... And all of these fail-safes and everything like that were put in place in the case that Rasputin did rebel. The question has to be begged, did Clovis ever actually implement this? And if they didn't do it, who did? Well, that... And then you've got people like The Liar, has, or has pointed out with Felwinter, where it's like, okay, now we have an Exo who was a... Who was shown in the liar as being a fragment of Rasputin and this is Rasputin's like I don't want other people to have this piece of me essentially Hmm. so he's basically killing he's trying to kill Felwinter so that the traveler can't have the piece of him I just assumed that the Gollum program was yeah was just him his whole thing yeah, I mean, yeah, so again, like looking at these names, my interpretation, I think we kind of mentioned it, I'm just trying to put it in a row. My interpretation was that Pillory was, Clovis Bray had set up a kind of, you know, if Rasputin goes bad, chop his brain into a dozen pieces and, uh, you know, have a remote kind of still powerful, but not all powerful kind of, uh, you know, war mind submines, whatever we want to call them. And then, yeah, Echo was Clovis Bray's, okay, if that doesn't work, uh, <laughs> you know, pull an inter- uh, interstellar and just go to Colony M31 or whatever and, and start over. Um, it's an interesting point that you bring up about, yeah, about the, the golem, because in one of those cards, uh, they talk about, one of the, one of the code fragments mentions something about the golem having 
the O energy signature or something. So I guess mm -hmm. at some point he, like, I, I guess at some point Rasputin learned that the golem uh, has, you know, is, is wrapped up in this paracausal energy of, of the Traveler. And yeah, he, he's trying to, trying to destroy it or get it back because uh, he, you know, he's lost control of it. So it, it's really interesting to see how, I, I do believe that the, it's a separate, one is, is Rasputin's own plans and another is, is, you know, Clovis Bray. And they're similar, maybe technologies, different approaches, different names. One, um, I just lost my train of thought. One question that I was going to ask was, yeah, how aware is Rasputin of this? Because it does seem like in this card, in the Warmind campaign, even this season, it seems like we are, uh, it seems like Rasputin's memory is a book that's been chopped into many pieces and we're giving those pieces back. Anna's discovered 13 pieces on different colonies. We're opening up bunkers. Um, is that, does everybody else believe that to be the case or do we believe there's more of a nefarious, uh, under, underhanded kind of, because I, I mean, some of the people I speak with believe that Rasputin is completely aware of what's going on and he's just, he's letting us empower him. I am, I, I am very much, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, my go bad ahead, Taylor. My bad. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, uh, to, to that question, I, I, Ultimately, I, I do not think Rasputin is with the Tower or Guardians or the Traveler. I do think, I, I don't see any reason to think that he's abandoned his primary objective, though, uh, for humanity. So I, I, I would say, like, yes, it's very likely that he could, he would be using us to, to reach his goals, and his goals might not always uh, align with ours, but I don't, I personally don't think that he's done he's like deviated to where he's only looking out for himself or anything like that mm. but um just to and also like earlier to uh to what wiki was saying it's also um one of the i think it's the second time you visit his bunker in russia in d1 but there's a scandal in there that says someone had been at a terminal mm. and i think at the time a lot of people thought it was like the exo strain or uh or something to uh to that end but it's it's very possible someone could have, for whatever reason, like pulled the trigger, even if he wasn't doing it, and it might have been to save him because of the uh, the the events that were going down in the collapse. Like it, it could have been for a multiplicity of reasons that we just don't really know. So, I have a couple of different takes on this. One, I don't I don't think that Rasputin was aware at all of the actual pillory program. I think that that was something that was developed in secret that they were actually able to keep everything and that's why they had everything completely segregated from the Warmind network. I also don't think that Rasputin is suffering from any form of memory loss. Um, the reason I don't believe he is suffering from any form of memory loss when you've got the very first entries of the Liar book, Rasputin is already trying to kill Felwinter at the very, very first entries. So there's a point where, uh, and, and he's already sending frames after him. So this is, this is well before we ever find this fragment of Rasputin sitting in old Russia and open up the satellites and everything like that and get that out there. This is before even the formation of the Iron Lords. This is way long ago. Rasputin is already using 
these frames already using you know war sats and everything else to attack Felwinter. And this is post collapse. So how much how much really are we really helping him to to do to reestablish and do? I think that there are certain stations and everything that he was disconnected from, um, and that we are helping him to reconnect. I think that pillory, and this was something I, I wanted to bring up as a as a, another further back when it actually got addressed. So I do not think that pillory and Echo were standalone programs. They had to work together. Because Clovis has essentially said, hey, look, when this happens, because Rasputin will rebel against us at some point, we aren't going to be fast enough to react. Like, yeah, Pillory's going to break him apart and it's going to separate his brain, but at that point, it's going to be too late for us. We're not going to have enough time to react and mount an offensive to wait for this program to work. And that's why they had to put Echo into place, was because by the time Pillory actually executed its program and we had any idea what was going on with the rebellion, we'd have already been dead. There wouldn't there wouldn't have been any stopping it at that point. Or or so. at the very least, worst cases were dead. So you might as well have a contingent yeah. like even if it, even it, if best case we we saved ourselves, this other group of humanity could survive. Yeah. And the, the, you always plan for the worst case scenario. Yeah. So worst case scenario is by the time we realize anything's going on and by the time we realize that, you know, Rasputin's rebelling, we're going to be dead anyway. It's just going to be nukes dropped on us in a heartbeat. So just have this program automatically kick off and go for it. Now, an explanation for Rasputin's versions and the Siddhartha Golems. Uh, we also found out earlier in the season as far as the, uh, the Seraphs. We got an explanation for what the Seraphs were. Mm. So... If you recall back to D one, you get you guys remember the since we also were talking about uh, data mine cra- and jumping through maps and everything like that back in D one. Do you guys remember the hidden bunker? With the didn't have like restraints for like seven people or something like that. Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, the vault that we found that we, they, they had the code for I forget what, what weapon it was that was help, helping to unlock but it had the taken knights and the the, um, the hive knights you guys remember those? They, they popped up in a certain formation and it revealed a code it was Rasputin's oh, big yeah. vault. Mm. Do you guys remember the name of the vault? No. <laughs> it, was, it was the ser- that, that particular vault was called the Seraphim Vault. Right. So, yeah, you had to do the correct stuff, and then the knights would pop up in a specific order, and then you had to plug in the number to this, that, and the other thing. And then people were jumping through, and it ended up being an unused asset in D1, where they jumped through a wall, and there was an additional site underneath it, underneath the actual frickin' main piece of computerized equipment in the center of the room that had seven chairs sitting around the bottom of of this node in the center. So that makes me that makes me sit there and think, okay, if we're talking about the Siddhartha Golems, and if that's in any way, shape, or form possibly related to the Seraph program, maybe that's how it happened. Maybe Rasputin did that, and that's where Rasputin broke himself into the Seraphs. Mm-hmm. That actually makes a lot of sense. 
I hadn't brought those two things together. I totally forgot about the bunker until you mentioned it. The yeah. wedding D one. Mm-hmm. I'm really hoping they bring stuff like that back. Like all the all all the D one con I'm one of those people that loved all the D one content, so I hope they bring all of it back. <laughs> I uh, I want to go back to Russia. I miss I miss all the uh like granted, like it, it usually falls under math, which isn't my particular strong suit. But I really miss the uh, <laughs> the uh, the like API that. stuff that they used to do mm -hmm. um, with uh, or not not API, but the uh, like the websites for Owl Sector and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, those were fun. Just really neat to watch everything unfold. If anything else, yeah. Like I I, I enjoyed those community uh, challenges a lot more than. Uh, and some other ones that I won't take us down a tangent into. <laughs> Thou shalt not mention the grind. <laughs> so that's rule one of grind club. <laughs> yeah. So a question on exos then. What are exos? Because every time we hear more got? about this, uh, it it. It change it, it it adds potential you know forks of, of spin foil as to what exos are or what they can be. I mean, are they all oh. are they all fra like are they all uh, fragments of Rasputin? Uh, are they you know are they uh, if if so uh, are they you know are they all fragments of Rasputin? Are they all AI? Are they AI to the point of life? Are they really human consciousness stored in a robotic frame, or are they, uh, you know, I some mean, kind of artificial intelligence stored? In, you know, I, I have like so many theories as to which way it could go, and I, I think that it's one of those cases where maybe all of them can be true to a certain extent, right? Like you mentioned, Rasputin's army and everything. So I'm curious to hear what everybody else has to think about that. I would, uh, I would, I would submit that at least in game and in the writing, uh, regardless of their original intention, they all have personhood. Like nobody, nobody questions whether or not they are uh, mm -hmm. their equals as people, or uh, or if they're um, or if they're uh, like like nobody accuses them of being uh, not individuals. Yeah, like robotic or anything like that. But that being said, I think it would be like I don't know because whenever I consider what they were built for, like yes, the living forever part. Yes, we're learning more that they had a role to play in some contingency plans uh, that we have. But like they were built for war. And I'm thinking in like this golden yeah, age, like work. like for example, in in the real world right now, there in, in the United States, I'll compartmentalize it. There are fewer people in the military than ever have been. So mm -hmm. just like the the numbers are just really low. It's an all volunteer thing. So I'm thinking like if in times that are like really friggin' good, when you don't really have war because you don't really know about aliens beyond the traveler at that point, like you probably have even fewer people volunteering. In, in the golden age mm -hmm. for like the military and stuff so like the idea that you would take exos and do one-to-one -one copies of those people kind of seemed a little light to me and so mm -hmm. i i i, I and this isn't to like argue with like any of the uh the the numbers representing resets or anything like that but like I, i've always had this sort of thing like it would make way more sense to me if you did run into like another Cade, another Banshee, or something like that because it makes more sense like he's a really good military guy and now we have like nine thousand of him <laughs> I hope we Can don't you imagine nine thousand Cades? I mean, hopefully not in the same room, but like. Oh God. Oh no! <laughs> All in the same room. All Welcome the to the time. city of debt. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> and bad fathers. <laughs> got, got interrupted by Cade Orgy. Yeah. yeah. I, corgi? Corgi. <laughs> That's like a corgi orgy. That's my Cade Orgy. I mean, Porky does. Oh, God. I, um, I, I make me think that uh, maybe all Exos could have a sort of, uh, like maybe Rasputin could just backdoor into all of them like Mr. Smith. Uh, yeah, in the I mean, Matrix, like yeah, like you know, they're doing their thing, and then all of a sudden, nope, taking over. Well, that's like that's. I assume that's, that's how it works, actually. Well, mm-hmm. but then like then Kate, Kate, Kate can be both. Yeah, yeah. And th- these, this is the rabbit hole of questions that I've been going down because one thing I've been trying to do lately with certain uh, questions is find as close to fact as you can get. Right, and, and I, I run into this issue with with um, looking at, at the lore that we all have, where there's, you know, there's an example that's written, and so that's assumed to be truth, or there's interpretation that you could look at later and go, wait, that wasn't exactly specified. So, one thing I'm looking at here regarding the Exos is, yeah, could they all be? Could they all have started as Rasputin? And then they, I don't know, they got reset or they got revived as a, as a guardian. And now they have, you know, now they have a, a different personality or a different name or whatever. Um, this is this is the problem I have with with uh, with the EXO story is that it's very in, in many cases, it's hard to nail down. Right. Was Cade, if we focus on Cade for a second, was Cade really a person that then became put housed in a mechanical body? Maybe. Was he the same thing? Was he a person housed in a mechanical body, but also a backdoor for Rasputin because all Exos are? Maybe. Was Cade entirely a fabrication, didn't exist at all? It was just a myth that he made up or that someone made up for him, some humanism to, uh, to keep him... <laughs> it's hard to call Cade grounded, but you know what I mean? Um, and the, these questions come up, and I, I think the, the, the fun and the challenge is that the answer to all of them is yes, no, maybe. I'm just curious what you, what you guys think about that, because uh, it would be pretty disturbing to think that every single EXO could suddenly become, yeah, like switched over to Rasputin's army, you know, once he becomes fully empowered. And uh, I don't know what the, the population of of the Destiny universe is of Guardians between Human Awoken and Exo, but it would be pretty frightening to think that a third of them are now under Rasputin's control. Not that I think that'll happen in the game, but it's an interesting consequence of these questions. Second collapse is nothing but your Exo friends turning on you in the tower. <laughs> so, interestingly enough, this, qu- this card, or this lore entry, actually talks directly about that, and, and talks about the... Uh, the EXO brain maps. Mm. Uh, there's a quote in there. Your name is cross-referenced all over this, Anna. Neural webway, psycholinguistics, EXO brain maps with candidate profiles. It looks like Clovis Bray was sinking Rasputin's basic core with viable hosts. Mm. That mm. that line in particular would indicate that it's, that EXOs are not just they're not they're not just the human mind. Like there has to be something that goes with it, and this. For this Rasputin core, I don't think it's necessarily that there is a a direct clone of Rasputin necessarily in this in the standard Exos of the Golden Age, but that there is a 
computer side and then there's a human side. Mm. I would actually I would actually wonder because you, you kind of see that again, but I, I would actually wonder if like the only way to make exos work is to have a sort of like Rasputin's code to build off of or like to merge with. Otherwise, like your oh, oh. like raw human mind like won't actually be able to survive yeah. or like function mm -hmm. without uh, without like sensory things and other things you yeah. probably couldn't. Uh, that's like the just opposite. Have the capacity to imitate, yeah. That's like the opposite side of the coin of the whole DER conversation, right? You need humanisms mm -hmm. to keep the exo sane, but maybe you need Rasputin mind mapping or whatever to keep the exo functioning. I don't know. Well, and, and that Maybe. would that would actually keep the mind from <clears throat> experiencing DER way too often. You know, mm. disassociative exomind rejection. It would also keep the computer in check by thinking that it was human. Mm. Yeah, that's... I mean, one of the most important things with exos is that it they would continue to think that they're actual people. Well, the thing... Or they go crazy. Isn't that what it is? Well, I mean, I... I I just wonder for what purpose I, I, that that would serve. Like, if if they're especially it kind of it, it really would blow if like you got into the whole thing of Exos trying to live forever and that's just a copy of you on top of robot code. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, I I just wonder because like we have examples of successful AI that don't go crazy. Like the frames in the tower, yeah. for example. Uh, the red jacks as another example like you have examples of of things that can have like enough ai to like carry out a task especially like a military one right but we don't need an ai that can carry out the tasks we already know we want an ai that can actually help us progress or they and i think that's the biggest difference between the frames and the exos is that the exos are capable of progression and of actual conscious thought problem solving well the i mean and i think I mean that's why Dahlia. Yeah, I think problem solving is the root of it. But I mean that's why Dahlia and like other of the regex are like it, it has to do with how long they've been able to learn mm -hmm. from everyone's experience. But like like there, it's not the same thing. And I don't want to argue with you there. But I think like there is like some semblance of it. And maybe that's just not fast enough. Like how do we know that all of the exos chose to become exos anyway? Yeah. And right. This is Clovis Spray we're talking exos. about. Yeah. So I mean if. We're talking about rejection and how they're having to think that they're human still, even though they know they're not, and they're all going crazy. Then, like, they're, how many of them are actually wanting to be there in the first place? They weren't just shoved into an exo body. That's another thing that's in, that's brought up in this card is Anna's yeah. concern over how many of them were actual volunteers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's why I brought it up. You have been <laughs> volunteered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it could just be stealing everything that they have too, for the sake of a of an echo. Or it's just a yeah, like just a bunch of strip their personality in a crib somewhere with their mind being. Constantly yeah, I mean, they could just it could be a whole matrix thing where they're just you know like in a tank and their <laughs> yeah. brains. I feel like yeah. I feel like every any way you slice it, whoever became an exo is dead. I think so too, especially for how long it's been. Mm. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, we've seen that, like, a lot of Golden Age tech has completely failed at this point. Yeah. And there's what I, very what I really want to see, what I would really love to see, and this is something that when I was, because for my RPs and stuff like that, I have, I have this one character, Dane, that I created. And the whole idea off of Dane was he had a brother uh, who was an Awoken. 
and the whole point of that entire process was that apparently the the original or the original mind map that was made that Dane was created off of as an exo the originer or the originator the person who who the mind map was from actually got rezzed as a guardian as well <laughs> so what so what happens when the original and the copy end up meeting each other <laughs> it's like Oh, like a uh, like a guardian who's also an EXO. Yeah. Yes, a guardian who is also an EXO. <laughs> Just different bodies. I. You are assuming. Yeah. I. The the ghosts are smart. I would like to bring up <laughs> ghost number one. Pulled pork is a fucking idiot. Well, why? I really, I really hope <laughs> mm-hmm. pulled pork gets to name Aldrin. By the way, I hope he like has no idea that Aldrin is his name. When he wakes up and pulled forks, like I, th- I say, we call you Randy. Just like the adventures of, like oh. something as like not gothy as gothy and like you know hair slicked back, Aldrin was. Hey, I want Frank. the full yeah. opposite. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to call him Bacon Fat. That way we can have the adventures bacon of pulled pork and Bacon Fat. <laughs> so on the on the question of ghosts and guardians, I mean, I could I could see that happening. I, I could see ghosts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, we don't know. They don't know either. Um, however, I would also, and there's nothing to support this, just my own feeling, but I would postulate that you have a question that comes up. If, if, if a ghost revives someone and then another, like a, a, the EXO version or whatever, is then also revived as a guardian, there's people who question, are they the same person? Can one ghost work for both or, tra- you know, whatever? I would postulate that mm-hmm. that there may be something forward and backward reaching regarding ghosts' instincts to revive someone. So we always hear about like worthy dead, or maybe they ha- maybe they were fighters in their previous lives, or there's something about them or their personality or whatever. But I would also guess that it could also be forward looking. It could be what's their potential. So you could have a human who gets made into an exo both die both get risen and then of course they're two completely they're two different individuals and the moment that they become different individuals they you know nature versus nurture they be, they go on different paths and i, I would argue mm-hmm. that maybe ghosts probably aren't even aware of it but the light is it it's outside of the rules of time and cause and effect so potentially two ghosts could revive these two different people for two different reasons maybe they both start with a strong back potential but maybe there's a forward facing potential that they both could have again nothing really to support that but i i think that that could be yeah that would be a very interesting storyline to see like uh two characters related in that way oh i want to see a ghost resurrect ada's body i was thinking that this whole time yeah i was just gonna ask about that <laughs> because i mean ada was in well and, ways, and, and, completely separate and I, I realize hers is sort of like a uh, a, uh, a a factory knockoff of the uh, the Clovis Bray exo process. Um, it it was done better. differently, but I also kind of feel like they were doing that for her because she was dying, but like they held off doing it. So I I, I just wonder if like dying is part of the process of becoming an exo. I, mm. I I would say yes, it is. I would I would almost guarantee that it is. Yeah. But then at the same time, when you really look at it, it's like, why though? Why would that be absolutely necessary? You have to remove the brain to map it. 
and that might be what's in the deep stone crypt. Mm-hmm. It could just be a bunch of brains in a pile. Just a bunch of brains. Oh, a bunch man. of brains. It's like all those Tell places. gross and morbid. It's like all those places yeah. back in Y two K that like uh that would freeze your head, <laughs> like in Futurama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Oh, something else that I wanted to bring up about the uh, the exos. We were talking about resets. Um, one of the things that I keep thinking, I think we keep on looking at them. We, when it comes to resets with exos, we look at them more as human beings with memories and everything like that than we do as computers. Uh, when you talk about resetting your computer, like there are times where you can, there's a different, there's a bunch of different types of resets that you can do on your computer. Uh, like, if you if you notice that your computer is stuck on something or it's it's glitching out, you can power down your computer and power it back on, and it's considered resetting it. You can do a backup on your computer, which is still considered resetting it. And I think these are all the different, these are the same kind of things that we're seeing mirrored in the exos themselves, where specifically in the second uh, entry that we're talking about, the power gets shut down and it gets shut back on, it gets shut down and it gets shut back off, and it it's triggered by damage that's done to them. And what do you do when your computer gets damaged by something you just downloaded or something that's a power surge or something like that? It restarts itself. Oh, that makes me sad, though. That means that means that their personalities are their operating system, but their actual memories yep. are just in their RAM. And eventually they're going to yep. run out of RAM every time. And why? Do you, and that's why we have the ER. Um, and what is it? That Does that just mean we need to run defrag on uh, Banshee? <laughs> <laughs> like we just need to compile sense. it all down, and he'll be cool again. But you got to think though. At the same time, though, every operating system, whether you completely refurbish it or not, every operating system starts coming to, into the point where its programming can't keep up with the inputs that it's receiving. Like if you tried to run an old, like a nineteen, um, a nineteen nineties Mac on some of the some of the operating systems that we have and some of the inputs that it could be receiving from the internet right now it, it, it just you crash it in a heartbeat what is it it's like that uh it's like that old uh, real estate commercial like it didn't even know those ports were there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much so so yeah it's it's just one of those where operating systems will eventually get so old that they can't be recovered anymore and i think that's where we're looking at as far as these resets is that this is just a computer system trying to cope trying to trying to keep pulling in information and resetting itself and reestablishing its baseline of operations so that it can keep operating it just it makes me it makes me wonder because conversely at least from a technological standpoint you you kind of have the the opposite of that where uh, an, an older system I, I ran into this um i i was never like a technician or anything like that i, I did a non-medical QA, but I, I worked for a lab for a little bit, and one of the doctors the lab ended up uh, acquiring, like, his, his practice to head the same like, Doogie Hauser 286 runs on like, its own, like, version of DOS like, computer <laughs> that he'd had his entire practice, and it worked fine and he kept up with uh, with security standards for, like, patient information, because it just couldn't even connect to the internet and if anyone stole it, they'd probably have a <laughs> hell of a time like using anything that could copy the data. It was so far wow. behind its time; it was ahead of the time. Yeah, like it was. <laughs> it was ba- yeah, like went full circle. Like it was probably really risky for a few years there, and then now it's like everyone else is just beyond it, and <laughs> they can't even figure out what to it's do. It's like you see it as old; I see it as hack-proof. I love it. I love <laughs> it. But but where, where I'm going, what I'm going for in like a roundabout way is this: like 
when you consider that that thing is only receiving the same inputs the whole time, but then you have something like an exo that has to deal with the changing world around it. Mm-hmm. I get it's just it. It becomes one of those things where you wonder if it's even possible. Like if if it's just like inevitably this is going to happen to every exo. Well, I mean, if you think about it, if, if the human mind is actually the process, or is actually the uh, the freaking core frame or the core core program that's running it, the CPU, just think about a human mind. If you were able to live forever as a human mind, there's only so much information that are, that the human mind could even take in before you'd actually start just well, yeah, I'd, I'd or start becoming forgetting cold stuff. Or yeah. Certain, yeah, certain processes would start turning off. The concept of death would be con- completely different to you, just like with guardians. We see it every all the time with Guardians, where the concept of death has now become this cold thing that we no longer see anymore. That we just kind of like, eh, whatever. He died. <laughs> He'll be back. Yeah, and, we just. I mean, people like we were talking about the Thanatonauts. The Thanatonauts yeah. last week. Well, and I mean, not like, even the Thanatonauts, but like human deaths around us. Like yeah. we, we. How much do we really think about the human deaths during the city whenever the Red War happened? I. I mean, I did. I think that's why yeah. they kept us in the tower, though. <laughs> So and Keep it, us yeah, away it's, from all the humans, because mm-hmm. because we're so distant from them emotionally. There's there's probably very little that we can connect to them. Mara and her interviews with her interviews with the uh, guardians that she captured, like it shows just how little they actually care about anything that we would probably consider valuable as human beings, uh, as far as emotional status and understanding. And that's it, just the result of constant influx of inputs and things like that are it's our own computing system just flatlining because of so many so much input on that particular subject that we're like okay we have to do a reset you're making we saw that oh Oh, sorry i was was gonna say we saw that with the warlords too i mean Mm -hmm. that's like the very extreme example yeah i was just gonna say you're making me sad you're making me think we'll never get to the last city because we're not allowed there because we have no it's like it's like Superman walking around breaking stuff by accident. We have no concept of, you know, what their priorities That's are. That's on the wall. Yeah. Cost. Yeah. What, what, you know, what's important or, or what, what f- yeah, fragile yeah, of life. Ever wonder why the tower, ever wonder why the tower is not underneath the center of the tower? <laughs> so, no. so actually I got to argue with you on that, Kaz. Like our guardians specifically might not go down to the last city, but there are neighborhoods with civilians and guardians together. Yeah, I mm-hmm. I just mean, yeah, I want to, I want to see the bridge of that. I would love to get down there and go to a guardian bar oh, yeah. and see some other completely go to a bazaar or something. But you're right. I mean, uh, this is something I've been looking into as well is the the different perspective that you know that the that humanity or or the guardians have versus um, what we might have because of the fact that you can just jump off the tower and come back to life and death is a is an everyday occurrence not a final death it, it's it must be i wonder if there's a story of or, or if there will be written a story of a guardian grieving over the final death of a friend and a, like a civilian is there to help them cope with it because they deal with death all the time and, but for that guardian who's like i've never had to deal with this before i don't know you know Maybe it's different now that the Red Wars happened. Uh, final deaths are a bit more common among the perspective, the purview of most Guardians. But before that, yeah, it must have almost become a completely foreign concept. Well, there was um, there was talk 
after the Guardians lost their light. And I, th- I don't. I think this was just on Twitter, and people have done art about it of people who were in the Crucible mm. right when they lost their light, and a bunch of people died. Yeah, I mean that was brought up during the uh, yeah the trials uh, lore that just came mm-hmm. out. Yeah. yeah. How lame would it be if like your 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 persona having risen, not having any of your uh, your traumas. And, like then you're like reading through the journal and you're like, man, I am lame. <laughs> it's like really disappointed in who you were. <laughs> Day twenty six. I'm really not a big fan of Justin Bieber's new album. <laughs> um, I don't know where you got my diary, but I'd like you to. Why do I keep trying to make fetch happen? It was clearly never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a there's definitely a wide spectrum of what mm-hmm. guardians or risen or light bearers how they act. I mean, you see that, you know, be a bit meta. We see that with the player base and in in, in universe, I'm sure there are guardians who they 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 comport themselves very similarly to people and they 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 have the whole slew of emotion, they recognize Okay, maybe death for a guardian in the middle of battle is a different thing. But then on the other hand, I'm sure there's the opposite extreme. As you mentioned with the interviews, there are guardians who only care to dance, get loot, kill monsters, and move on. Um, and mm-hmm. I was going to bring that up a while ago when we talked about the, you know, the, the grafting of person and mechanical frame or Rasputin is that... Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a big risk if you think about it. Uh, trying to graft a person onto a mechanical frame if your goal is to create some kind of soldier or asset or whatever, you, it must it there must have been a consideration that I mean, if we assume that Cade was that was a real person and maybe a maybe a real tactical thinker or unpredictable. That's why he would have been, if he was purposefully made into an exo to be a to be an asset of Rasputin, then you have to know what you're in for. You're in you're you want an an element of chaos to problem solve. You don't want a, an obedient soldier because uh, it would take a lot of firmware to make Cade into an obedient soldier. I think. And 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 to add on to your point also, earlier, uh, Taylor, when we talk about like, you know, human or. or uh, problem solving versus you know just having like a robotic soldier i mean we see this in in space exploration there's always this question of should we send people should we send robots and right now you know robots are easier and they're uh cheaper to to set up programs for but the problem solving ability of a person is so beyond what we can do with robotics that uh, at this point anyway maybe not post traveler but it's to the point where a person will will save you so much time and effort or, or save you from going down a brute force path. So it's interesting to think about it in that sense as to the purpose of these exos and, uh, you know, what what was the original goal and have we how far has uh, have the exos strained from strayed from that original goal? Hmm. Also, really makes you wonder what the mindset must have been like for the uh, volunteers that were the seven or were the seraphs. Because mm. if they have if they have to be human and 
and frickin' Rasputin combined, then who, who would volunteer for that one? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kate will lose a bet and do it. <laughs> <laughs> funny thing about that, funny thing about that, uh, the fire team that Kate always rolls with, not his Vanguard fire team, but the stories that he's always known mm-hmm. for, you remember what they were called? Uh, I just, I have the comic in my head, yeah, I have Cade uh-huh. 6. It's Cade 6, so Cade plus 6 others is how <laughs> So. <laughs> now, now my question is the fact that like or, or my, my, the point that I want to make is you're assuming that those seven you know the seven XOs that are agreeing to this mm-hmm. even have a say in it Raspbian no, could I'm, just push I'm it out I'm not assuming that I'm just saying that's. I wonder what the mentality would have been like if he just even gave him a chance. I'm wondering if it was he chose seven exos, or was it he created seven exos with human with human minds from the deep stone crypt, or you know that whole process? Yeah. Was that what they originally intended for their volunteer work? A uh, random other question: Project Atlas. Any? theories on what that is have we heard of that before i don't i think this is the first time we heard we've heard of atlas yeah yeah i couldn't find anything guys guys we've done some work with smaller robots but hear me out here giant robots (laughs) 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 so there's two different ways that i that me personally i was looking at atlas and trying to think about what how it would be Relatable because usually they, they try to sn- throw some nice little sneaky hints in with the namings of them. Uh, Echo, obviously, Echo of Humanity. Um, and then Pillory would be removing of the pillars of Rasputin and segregating it, Collab- basically collapsing everything underneath underneath his mainframe. Atlas being, uh, it's Rome, I can't remember, it's Roman, right? Or is that Greek? Uh, it's, it's, is it the Greek version? Okay, so Greek uh, Atlas is holding the world on his shoulders. There's some. An, there was an image immediately as soon as I saw thought of that. Like the first obvious thing is, oh, it's holding Atlas is holding Earth, though so it might be a program that's supporting Earth on its shoulders. But it recalled to me almost immediately a piece of fan art that was drawn, or not fan art, but a concept art that was drawn of. Sub- Apparently, a pr- stuff that's later to come uh, in Destiny at some point, but it was released uh, out to the community. It wasn't data mined or anything that I'm aware of. But there's three statues that are bent over at the waist, and they look like hive statues essentially uh, from the looks of them. But they're also there's very kind of contorted look to them. But they're all bent over at the waist, and behind them is being held up a traveler ball. Um, so. It, it it makes me it makes me wonder. So, Atlas is popularly depicted, especially in like uh, modern movies, as holding up the Earth, but what he holds up is the sky. And what is Rasputin's oh shit 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 event? Skyshock. Skyfall. Yeah. Sky, sky yeah. Skyshock event. So I mean, I, I didn't think about it till uh, till what you were saying, uh, Wicked. But uh, maybe that's what it has to. Uh, maybe it's like a clever naming mechanism. 
Well, and, and then there's the, the tongue-in-cheek reference of Atlas shrugged mm. when Rasputin shrugged and made himself alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense that it would be related to that if we assume that this yep, is that, is, the that this is a a hint at what's coming, right? If we assume that Rasputin will play a major part in defending mm-hmm. us, or at least the system, holding up the sky against Skyshock, then yeah, that would work very well. Which does yeah. make me wonder, it does make me wonder how this season is going to end visually. I've been kind of wondering this. It's a bit random, but when you read that lore entry, it talks about, you know, uh, the the station being surrounded by warsats, and then they they say at the end, we're going to tow the, you know, what we can back to the last city. Um, I mean, I'm kind of wondering, are we going to see Rasputin blow the Almighty out of the sky, or is it just going to, we're just going to see like a thousand warsats slowly move up and tow it away gently? Like, that seems anticlimactic for a season that's already quite vitriolic in the community. I think it's, I think it's extremely unimaginative if you blow it up. I mean, it's already hurtling at massive speed. You'll send smaller pieces still at you if you blow it up. Is it massive speed, though? It's the it's the fast uh, that it can go. Relatively, if you if you ask Einstein, he'd say yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead though. So. Well, the fact my thing is the fact is like it's getting here in like a three month span. From between Mercury and the Sun, right? Yeah. <laughs> here's here's a good one though. They Cabal had a pretty good idea of using it as a weapon to launch at something we've got a pretty big enemy on the way we could just do a redirect <laughs> well the cabal return really to cinder good. kind of thing oh but... if we if we just whip it around the sun and send it out to uh... the cabal are send good at the using ship. ships as weapons anyway since leviathan originally was just like locking the controls and just firing it into space if we throw yeah, that, I mean, that's like how it originally started. If we throw that, can we also throw Oryx's ship? <laughs> we might as well. It's not doing anything. It's just sitting there. <laughs> it's just sitting there, like being a potential issue down the line, as far as, I, as I'm concerned. I mean, yeah. I don't know why we didn't originally just like tow it into the sun. Well, like, here's a question: How? No space tugboats available. Everything. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there are just like tons of junk ships. Just Ikora wanted to learn more together. stuff. <laughs> leave Ikora. leave the warlocks alone. No, no, no. Here's Ugh. what you do: you re you redirect the dreadnought to move toward the pyramid ships. But instead of crashing into them, you reverse Oryx's weapon and you suck the pyramid ships into Ascended Realm. <laughs> I feel like that ends with that's exactly what they wanted. I'm about to say, they're like, we're home! I mean, <laughs> now we are inverted. <laughs> no, this is a great segue into the last reading right now. Mm-hmm. So let's go into genius. So let's talk about um, what Osiris did when he didn't tell his verb husband where he was going. Um, I, I just have a comment as soon as we go yeah. over the summary about what something could potentially be. Okay. Well, we have spin foil. We'll save all the spin foil for the end. And Kaz, you want to give another summary? All of, uh, all yeah, of I didn't write this one down, but I think it's a shorter one. Um, so feel free to correct me. Much shorter. Yeah. Um, so 
after the cutscene where Osiris uh, challenges Rasputin, um, has a conversation with him, Rasputin shows a presumably the same solar system map that we see in the IO bunker. Um, but in this case, there was there's some kind of anomalous signal at the edge of the system. Uh, Osiris and Sagira they they travel out there. We know it's uh, you know near the edge near the Kuiper Belt. The title of the the, the card is "What Gives Me Pause." Uh, refer and they even talk about Osiris skimming across the Heliopause, which is the outer edge of the solar system. Um, Sagira feels strange. There's anomalous readings all over the place. Osiris seems to kind of uh, strap up his, uh, you know, spacesuit and, and to go out there. And depending on uh, how well you're able to sift through it, the language becomes, the imagery becomes very psychedelic, complex, uh, abstract. Uh, Osiris sends out his echoes to try and navigate through the murk referring to some maw ahead that is opening. And uh, eventually he finds a seed um, that he is able to extract from the, uh, the anomaly. And he makes his way back to the ship. Um, oddly enough, I'm sure we'll talk about this, Sigira doesn't seem to realize he's even been gone. She, uh, she believes he changed his mind and came back to the ship. And uh, at the end, he tells her to set a course for home. So that's, that's my quick. I like it. Yeah. There is one detail that, that was missed. Mm-hmm. He, even though he had the psychedelic trip and it seemed like no time passed, he actually was holding the seed from the psychedelic trip. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I meant to say that he did have the seed in his hands, uh, and he was telling her to, you know, let's go home. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think it's just too big to be a seed. Like, what kind of plant is going to well, be that big? And then, like, you know, it's not a pill. That's just like, who could swallow that? <laughs> Olympus knows what kind of seed it is. I mean, it's I the same repository. <laughs> uh, no. no, like, I, I think it's a seed for the silver... Or the the tree with silver wings. Ooh, like um, a like an Yggdrasil type of. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, because well. like we've had two Titan exotics, and we've had references in unveiling to a tree with silver wings, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there's a seed, and I, I don't remember if there's actually well, any. Any and specifically the reference that the references that you had on the ruin wing armor, and and it's a it metal scene. Doom Arch- and Doom Marchers, not Doom. Not MK forty four standasides. The M- the MK forty four standasides. Both of them talk about the seeds, and we don't really have like there are certain words in Destiny lore that have significant meaning when you bring them up. Um, egged or eggs in. In particular, that's one word mm-hmm. that ha- seems to have a, a specific type of connotation to it. Uh, whenever you bring it up, egged queen, for instance, mm-hmm. um, you got talked about like the egg that Mar created. 
for her extra or for her extra ascendant realms that she was making. The mention of a seed in particular, um, in one of one of the entries, I forget which one it was. I think it was the, I think it was Rowan Wings that talked about of the seeds we do not speak. Yes, mm-hmm. I've got it right here. In the garden grows a tree of silver wings. The leaves are ruin, the bark disaster. Of the seeds we do not speak. And it talks about how, and it, there's lots of references to both the seeds. And then there's references to silver. Uh, I did a lot of researching on the silver. There's a lot of tie-ins to silver, the garden, the traveler, and light, and the vex. All all four of those are connected by the color silver. And by talking about things like liquid silver spewing out and things like that. And that's exactly what happened in in this trip vision that Osiris had. Was all this mechanic silver in, in, in that engulfing everything around him and we've actually seen the seed or probably seen the seed yeah i was it's the thing that eris has isn't it at this point isn't Mm -hmm. it the same relic that uh eris uh, it's actually the relic that we put into the ground for osiris right yeah Mm -hmm. right that's what i thought that we stick in that's inside the forest Mara told him to bury it, so he yeah. gave it to us to put into the ground after it was charged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After we, after and something else that was taken into account that, that I thought was really an interesting tie-in. All the trials lore that we talked about, how when the when the towers the towers go off, and they can hear the bings and everything like that whenever a, whenever a guardian dies. How do you tra- how did we charge the uh, or fully upgrade this freaking uh, artifact from that season. We had to kill a bunch of things, right? Accomplish a bunch of tasks, get, grow our light. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting here sacrificing sources of light to freaking mm-hmm. build this thing yeah. up. Mm-hmm. And then Osiris had us bury it in the ground. He's, it's There's so, a, there's a cutscene at the, uh, the end of the season. It's the Osiris... Yeah, the, it's the Osiris. Um, I'm trying to remember the, the name lantern, of it. Like a sundial. Yeah, it's, it's the, the lantern. lantern. Yeah, there's a. There's so essentially, the lantern itself, like the actual mechanic, like machine pieces around it, we add to that. So we create all these extra little pieces around it, but the piece that's in the very center, that's what houses. The, that's what supposedly houses the seat. Yeah, I, right. I thought it was the relic that we yeah. rescued from, well, well, rescued, that we, uh, yeah, that we obtained from the pyramid ship, and it seemed to act as a kind of transmitter, uh, re- you know, and that, that was the explanation in the game as to why every week we got a different piece of unveiling was, it was, deco- it was giving us a new message. I, I, I assumed that that's what the, the seed was. And that they're, I don't know, maybe they're in many of them in many pyramid ships or similar. Mm. And, I th- and I thought that, um, I was wondering if there's a connection between this seed and the sundial itself. Because the, I don't remember what that lore entry was called, but when, when the drifter checks out Osiris's sundial and he's like, you know, what's the right word? Afraid I of it? I hear whispering. 
Yeah. Yeah, he hears whispering. So I, you're, yeah. you're messing with some... Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? If the drifter is not... Uh, if the drifter is warning you about it, then maybe you're doing something right. wrong. Right. Drifter always has your back, sister. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's what I thought. I thought that he, he planted the seed into the sundial, and then... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it I mean, if he planted him. it into the sundial, which is essentially like, you know, the 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 HG Wells like time machine, time machine. Uh, I don't. I don't think he planted it in the sundial, did he? Well, I, it, I, well it, I, I, in the center of the sundial. Yeah, I thought, I thought that's what we did. If we planted mm-hmm. in a in a place that like mm-hmm. time is not <laughs> flows differently, let's say doesn't exist. So like, I feel yeah. like we could be seeing a full grown tree like way sooner that way. Well, that yeah. Can we? Can we question who thought it was a great idea to put it on a planet that's primarily controlled by the Vex? Um, like, can did, we say that it's the one that they were also trying to eat? I'm, like, the Almighty was eating to turn into energy to blow up our sun? Like, yeah. like we, we couldn't put this there on Earth? There are other locations. I think, well, but would you want this on Earth, though? Well, like, right. And also, the... You don't okay. want this shit on the, Earth. Uh, the Trials lore seems to indicate that there's something special about Mercury, regardless of us, some kind of connection with the spire. Yeah. So maybe it's it's that, you know, you you put your research lab next to where the the wild fauna are, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it, it just seems like there's, there's a reason for, and, and that's, there's a disconnect for me because I don't know, yeah. you know, you brought up earlier saying that the seed was the, was the, uh, the lantern, and I I believe that mm-hmm. the, the the seed was this relic or, or a similar relic as Eris now has, and and that mm-hmm. my my thinking was that he he planted the seed into the sundial to to create it or to finalize it, and uh, if you go down enough spin foil, you think Mara told him to plant the seed. The seed worked the sundial. The sundial was able to bring Saint back. There's like, and then the question is why, and why would Mara, you know, what, what, you know, I'm grasping here, but it's like, what, what, what did Mara see that told her that Saint was important uh, enough to break time or, or to, you know, mess with time to bring back? It's because they're married <laughs> and he needed his fucking burb husband. <laughs> like how many times My do I need is, to say My question is, was this? Saint 14 really the end game for Mara? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> as far as just the, using the time, like I, Mara has plans upon plans. If she knew anything about, freaking, if she knew anything about Osiris, she knew that he would use the sundial to get Saint Fourteen back. I have yes. A but go forward. Um, who's to say that it's a seed and not like an alert system? Hmm. Well, we've already experienced that though. Those are, those are way bigger and uglier. Uh, yeah. yeah, but but why doesn't why is that just not something that's going through all of like time and space saying like, hey, now is the time. Well, I mean, it shot off a gigantic beacon of flame. Exactly. <laughs> it was yeah. it was very impressive. Exactly. <laughs> Anyone else feel like we could play six degrees of uh, Marasov at this point? <laughs> oh, we yeah. really could. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, so. I'm mark I, that as one of our episodes we can do. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to bring up a point uh, before we even started this one, and it was talking about the mm-hmm. the Leviathan and the and the you know dreadnought and everything. Um, it's it's kind of interesting 
and frustrating to see the pace that the story is being developed because on the one hand it's agonizingly slow and then sometimes it jumps ahead and the example i give is you you mentioned you know what's callus going to do when the pyramids get here my question is why is the drifter still in the tower i mean the i know this is off to the side well, I know this is kind of off tangent. It's for the Guardian games, obviously. Right, because he's so in love with, with uh, Ava Levante that he decided to stay around, I guess. Well, she's Savathun, so. Right. It's true. <laughs> it's just... It, it's just, I tried um, to disprove that once, and it didn't I re- work. You know, I, I really hope that we start to see <laughs> more of these threads become a little... bit. And I know it's tough, I guess, on a game development cycle and resources, etc., but... Yeah, it's a little frustrating when you got this guy who's like, all I want to do is survive, and I don't want to be anywhere near any darkness. By the way, everyone, um, ships are going to crash into the tower, so, you know, but let's have Guardian games. And then the Drifter sticks around. I mean, at least other NPCs, they make the comment. We know now that the the pyramid's approaching, or sorry, that the, uh, not the pyramids, we know that the Almighty is coming and that other people know about it. And I thought at the beginning of the season it was kind of a secret that, that Zavala was keeping from everyone, you know, to keep everyone calm. And then when Guardian right. Games happens, mm-hmm. everybody brings it up. And I'm sorry for going off on a tangent, but it's kind of related to this on how we see these characters aware of the threats that are coming. Um, and then they still do, you know, very dangerous things. Uh, they plant seeds. They, uh, they They stick around maybe when they shouldn't. So I'm just kind of hoping that we breaking character a well bit. i just hope that these things move forward a little bit um you know because it would be it would be a real detriment to the story if if threats like the almighty or the the pyramid ships arriving uh were you know brushed over in a you know in a single cutscene or something i i think that's one of the one of the negatives of having such a very wide and overarching storyline as far as just as far just world building storyline is that if you have a bunch of not necessarily main component stories and just extra things that kind of add flavor to the world that you don't bring in and then get rid of when they're lacking relevance then you tend to have this kind of look at where it's like okay what why is this character even here like what is the importance of this character why isn't this character involved in the story um, yeah so like with drifter with drifter in particular i think it it's one of those where it breaks the ambiance of what you what they what people believe his character is mm-hmm. like as far as the looking out for himself because uh, by remaining in the tower he looks like he's one of the guardians he's one of us he's just kind of sticking around and he's here for humanity whereas his character kind of portrays this I don't care about any of you guys I want to live mm. yeah I think it yeah but sometimes if he wants to live then he has to align himself with the guardians at least yeah. to try <clears throat> yeah it doesn't, mean... you don't have to like the people that you work with <laughs> yeah I, I, I just um, I, I think it's just a question of resources you know they did just it's a lot to try and manage all of these different characters. I, I was suggesting to some others that you could, you could still work with that mechanically, right? Like how they're talking about in co- upcoming seasons, you'll be able to obtain loot from various sources. I was saying, Drifter wants to stay alive. Reckoning is is uh, you know dropping double, uh, giving double drops because he wants more guardians on his side to you know 
protect him or to work with him or to he wants to manipulate more of them things like this mm-hmm. but anyway sorry that, that's a bit of an aside um i'm often trying to reconcile uh i mean first off first off story story is important for destiny in terms of how it's designed and how it's implemented but it is a looter shooter and and the there's a lot of i would suspect i don't know the demographic but i would suspect that story is important but it's also maybe prioritized in a different way and it's resource intensive i mean every time you think about putting in a line of dialogue or even a line of text text seems to be easier but you still have to translate it like 12 times or whatever every every line of right so i'm always trying to think like how can we how can we do something that drives like either drives the story forward or adds depth while at the same time can be kind of cloaked as a kind of mechanic or or an in-game some kind of some kind of uh loot reward system so that it it satisfies the main audience and the and the skeleton of the game while adding the depth and i will say yeah the adventures is a good point adventures I love them. They add so, so much in terms of little things that are happening, little lore tidbits, connections. Um, They're also some of the few places where you really feel like you have choice and consequence. I mean, there there are at least two adventures in the game where characters refer to you or give you slightly different actions, and they refer to you based on your actions, right? There's the one, there's the, the famous one with, do you kill the, the, the knight or, or Mithrax first? But there's also one, uh, I can't remember where, but you, you get a choice. Do you blow up the, the Cabal ship, uh, tanks or do you, uh, yeah. you know, or do you do something else? Do you corrupt them or mm-hmm. whatever? Um, so that's, that's what I'm saying is that it is it's probably a very difficult, expensive, um, you know, intensive process. But there are, ways, there are ways that you can do it. If you can't do a full-on adventure and you can't do a cutscene because, yeah, those are probably super expensive again if yeah drifter is there because game reasons but if drifter was offering you know double rewards or if spider was taking advantage of our desperation and and maybe he had bounties that gave more bits but they were twice as expensive or something or ada one feels bad because her the forges are supposed to help humanity but she can't help against a giant ship so you can hold more bounties at a time or something like this i think I think Bungie could afford to do things like that. People loved when the Menagerie was giving like seven plus rewards a run or whatever. There, there could be ways to do it where you, where you tweak uh, different things in the game as it goes on, as a minimum, uh, uh, as a way of expanding what's going on, making the world feel more alive uh, without having to break your back over it while you're doing everything. Because I think overall the expansions are you know we talked about this earlier with marvel right so uh the expansions i see as the movies or at least the the avengers movies and the seasons are either the standalone movies or they're the tv shows they're the stuff that adds filler and depth and my my issue and i'm kind of jumping around three points and i'm sorry my issue with it with everything from season of dawn until now is it seems unrelated and that could have worked much better if it felt like this was the, this was the, um, what's it called? The assemble your team, you know, like the Ocean's Eleven, like you got, 
you got strange Birdman in the corner you know now you've got uh <laughs> you, you've you've got you've got like robotic uh mainframe uh dude who's now connected throughout the whole system like the these seasons if they're disconnected from the main overarching threat it still would have felt better if it was the oh but we're making alliances or we're under we're discovering technology or something that will help when the main thing comes forward and i i just feel that the last few seasons the the scope you know hasn't quite it, it's still blurry it's not quite in focus um because of all this that we're talking about I feel bad. I, this whole episode, I've been like, I'm grumpy. <laughs> I'm not really mm. grumpy. I'm just, ex <laughs> I'm excited for more, but You're I fine. have, I have beef, I guess. <laughs> well, so, so there's, Let's a, try to... there's a difference between Sorry. being grumpy and knowing that there's a lot of potential there that's not being fulfilled. Yeah. I mean, or I, at least we, I, we don't know how it is being fulfilled if they are working with it. Yeah. Bungie yeah. is really good at the very long game. And we forget that sometimes because we, we want everything now because well, we're we very fucking, right we're now, very so impatient and this is all we have. So like Bungie knows what they're doing. To, to be fair, I, I, I yeah, I agree. Else. And I've seen, I mean, adventures are a great addition. Uh, the fact that you do get dialogue in something like guardian games, you go to every single NPC and they have a, they have something to say about it. I, I love that kind of stuff. I, I just love when uh, on the moon or in the Dreaming City, the patrol missions are, they're actually giving you lore. Or they're, telling, they're telling you about a place or a history of, of the place. I think that's, that's really cool. And, and I do feel that with all of the ups and downs of Destiny 2, I feel like there is a lot more there that you know, maybe trips over itself sometimes, but it's still exciting as it's happening. Uh, I agree with that. They got a, they right. a lot of uh, their hands in a lot of soups when it comes to the Destiny universe. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get our kind of final thoughts and we'll get to shout outs. So I think we've like pretty well wrapped this up. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Um, you can uh, find me. Uh, this is uh, Taylor B here. You can find me at the uh, Spinfoil Theory podcast. We're on. Uh, we're everywhere you want to be. We got uh, all the all the different platforms. We're on YouTube now as well. Um, oh, nice! And we give a shout out to I guess my co-host there, uh, the Bagels. Hope you're listening, buddy. Yeah. How, how you doing? Um, and I want to I want to thank our uh, our host for uh, for having all of us. This uh, I know it couldn't have been easy managing uh, this many guests at once, but you guys did it great. Thank you. You guys are very chatty, <laughs> so I didn't have to do much of anything. I just had to sit here. <laughs> <laughs> my job was very easy. <laughs> All right, uh, Kaz, what about you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess third all of the uh, the thanks. You know, I, I'm new. I've been following the lore for a long time, but I'm new to kind of the lore community. I've uh, been a bit of an Asher Mir hermit, I guess, these past few years. So it's really nice <laughs> meeting all of you and and you know engaging with the community more. Uh, shout outs uh, to our hosts, um, to our guests for putting or the other guests for putting up with my speaking a lot. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you, you can find me on uh, Twitch or Twitter, uh, Kaz underscore PhD, or I make lore videos over on YouTube. The channel name is called Embrace Destiny. Hmm. Very nice. I'll have to go check those out. Um, so, Wicked. 
I know we can find you everywhere at Wicked Jester, but do you have any projects coming up you want to talk about? I have a couple different projects, but right now all I can think about is what you just posted in chat. <laughs> so I'm trying not to think about right. that particular project. <laughs> well, right. anyway, he was like Asher. <laughs> Whenever I think of Asher, it's just that I know he just jacks off with his vex hand. I mean, like a weird robot. Stranger. Some people call it the stranger. It is the stranger. It's a vex. It is the stranger. Does it it's get tingly. a certain strokes per minute? It does. It's the yeah. Vexo Stranger. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on YouTube. Uh, you can find me on Twitch. Uh, all Wicked Jester. Uh, same tag for everything. Uh, current projects I'm working on. Got a comic that I've been drawing up for a while now. Uh, it's it's a work in progress. I'm hoping to get it out out before I go on my deployment. And then, actual shout out. Uh, I actually want to give a shout out to. Uh, obviously to follow in, toast, in suit with everybody else. Thank you, Orchid, Elemis, for having us. Appreciate it. Uh, I, love, I love being on the show with you guys. Always. Uh, and You've then... been stuck with us for three weeks now, so I didn't <laughs> know if you were... It's fine. It's, it's fine. been three weeks we've had you. <laughs> we should be thanking you, honestly. It's okay. Thank you. Um, but, and then also a huge shout out to Dwyer who graduated yesterday from college so i want to give a big shout out to him and uh, congratulations so congrats life goals Twire fire awesome yep. congratulations so all right alamist yeah uh shout out to shout orchid out. for for putting this all together shout out to everybody for stepping up um I felt like I wasn't contributing at all or I was doing minor work because everybody was just jumping right in. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we do have a few other fun episodes planned coming up. So stay tuned for that, listeners. Um, are you forgetting somebody? Ishtar Collective. <laughs> forget your boo baxter i'm sorry baxter i've been totally out of it the last couple weeks baxter's disappointed in you mm. i know this is why he's my friend i know <laughs> <laughs> all right um that goes to my shout outs um mine are gonna be a little bit different uh besides thank you guys for coming and for heeding my plea my very hurried please can you come on our podcast play um thanks to uh blue for allowing me to post nonsense in the lore network discord um i i think it's payment for like all the nonsense we've been doing with quotes so yep i think that's a good 50 50 trade-off um Actually, I, I really want to say thank you to everyone who watched me on Twitch and got me to affiliate. Like, mm. seriously, thank you so much. I'm so, like, so happy I'm going to cry. So, thank you. Aww. It's well earned. Yay. Yeah. I'm so, like, super happy about it. It's been, like, yeah. five days or mm -hmm. something. I'm like, <laughs> it's It's well earned. So. It's okay, they're beautiful tears. They're beautiful, they're beautiful tears. <laughs>
They're beautiful. I don't know. I'm, I'm so happy about it still. It's like really awesome. So thank you. Yeah. <sighs> I'm fine. <laughs> this is fine. This is fine. It's like instead of fire all around you, though, it's puppies. Yeah. <laughs> you ever see that uh, that picture that's a bunch of puppies sitting sitting around a living flame and he's just like this is nice <laughs> so it's like a mirror version of that uh, that picture you know? the inverse yeah I think, I think I know what you're talking about yeah okay I'm fine now I swear hmm. <laughs> um so once again thanks guys for coming i really appreciate it um thanks for spending your three hours with us this morning it's fun yeah yeah so i <laughs> uh, will definitely have all of you back Aww. um at one point or we'll see you on like a quarterly lore review or something yeah uh maybe so individually yeah um but this was fun this was very chaotic like i enjoyed the shit out of this so it was good yeah it was fun mm -hmm. we'll see how it sounds after you edit <laughs> spice that together everyone being like yep mm -hmm, okay moving on mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right so for reminders uh you can find us on twitter at guardians underscore lore at hey it's orchid at mrs underscore hyven at i underscore am underscore almost underscores because uh, i couldn't get at elemist that's because he's in trouble exactly and you're not the only elemist <laughs> like i'm gonna have to try and petition twitter or something no that's not how it works anyway um you can send us an email at guardians underscore lore outlook.com if 240 characters is too restrictive for you um also our both of our uh, guardians underscore lore and my Twitter um, at Hey It's Orchid. Miss, Mrs. Hyven and I drive Twitter, so if you want to get a hold of either of us, um, you can just send the um, podcast a DM, and one of the two of us will answer. So, um, yeah, just just in case you want something, or you want like a gif of a bunch of kitties or something, I will be happy to oblige you. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Guardians of Lore, Guardians So Flore. Um, please leave a review, join our Discord, um, and yeah, thanks guys for coming. Yay! I'm so <coughs> glad you did. Okay. Oh, thank you. Hey. I've been practicing like all week. Clicking. Well, I didn't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> like, oh. Making, making, making friends. Like, you just, you just want to make sure that you're you're there. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. I want to make sure that I can click <laughs> perfectly. Yeah. Yes. Didn't want to show up and like I don't know accidentally not click I, it, it could have been worse that's all i'm saying prematurely click oh, prematurely yeah. click. Mm. Oh i swear god. to god okay. that never happens you guys <laughs> <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs>
All right. This is how tonight's today, this morning is going to be awesome. All right. Uh-huh. I'm ready for this shit. Uh huh. I like right. him. <laughs> God damn it, all of you. <laughs> You um, chose this. You chose I, this. I know this I did. Full episode. Is, I'm here for it. This is all me. Um, yeah. So, um, I'm gonna have you guys actually introduce yourselves, and then I will attempt to call you whatever you want me to call you. Like I'm pretty much just gonna drive and then have you guys talk about it. This is really long, so my brain is tired. I'm just here for flavor commentary. <laughs> like usual. For the flavor. It's all fine. Flavor. All right. <laughs> I am starting. Okay. 